you know how sometimes like uh, 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 I've been in sales for quite a while. If a guy who doesn't have any responsibilities and he's single, he has a $30,000 a month, boom, he's going to Vegas, having a good time. Yeah. And then he doesn't work as hard until he runs out of his 30,000. Three months later, I gotta go make the 30,000 again. Oh my God, panic, I gotta pay my bills. I'm behind on the phone. Yeah. Let me buy this watch and make 40 grand. I'm going out again. So it's very inconsistent, right? And then as you're in sales longer, you're like, okay, the profile of somebody that's gonna be more consistent is not a single guy. It's a guy that's married, kids, homeowner, and all those three are signs of what? Married, commitment. Yep. Uh, homeowner, commitment, responsibility. Kids, commitment, responsibility. Yep. Last time we didn't talk about your kids. Yep. At this point, I think it's public, video, your daughter running to me, give daddy your kids, all this stuff. Everybody knows at this point. Yep. Do you, when you're in, in jail, sometimes I, I, I sit there and I got books on my desk. I'm like, I'm like 50 books behind. And I, I like to read. I know you don't yeah. talk about reading a lot, but I like to. I'm like, I'm 50 books behind. But I bet if you're in a place where you're in jail, you're forced to think. You're forced to, Andrew, you don't have the phone. You don't have the computer. There is no emergency podcast. Yeah. Go away and think. You're sitting there. You're like, okay, family, yeah. kids, yeah. you know, what it's really all about. Yeah. Those decisions, when you think about your kids, does it influence you to say, oh, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing this? You know, why, why, are you, why are you going through all this stuff? Maybe you gotta make some changes in, in your lifestyle. Yeah. And if yes, in what areas? Yeah. Or does it say, no, double down even more because I'm fighting for them? And that's a really interesting question. I'll start by saying how thoughts in jail are different than thoughts in the outside world because this is actually an observation I had. In the outside world, I don't think you carry a thought for very long that you don't want to carry. You can sit and think about something if you want to. But if you don't want to think about something, you just get your phone out. Something pops in your head, oh, I don't do that. You get your phone out and distract yourself. Or you get in your laptop, or you call someone, or you do something, right? It's not very often in the real world. Point. It's not very often yep. in the real world you have a thought you don't want in your head, and you have nothing to take it away. You have no phone, you have no outside interaction, you have nowhere to go. What a perspective. Nothing. You're just stuck with yeah. it. You're stuck with Makes that sense. thought. So there were times in jail where for the first time, like I have a lot of mental control, but there was the first time ever I'm battling with my own mind saying, I don't want to think about this. And I, I, I put another thought in the way. It kept, it was on the door, it was knocking on the door all the time. And this is for weeks. Cause there's no, it never, every day is the same. You never get the inter outside interaction. And you also, what made it worse is you never get the answer. You know, like the open loop. If you ever say to somebody, I'm gonna tell you something, I'll tell you later. And it bothers them. That's what jail's like, because you might think of something, doesn't matter what it is, I won't say what my thought was, but I'll give you an example. Let's say I, I thought, when did Constantinople fall? What year? I can't just Google it. I don't know. So it's stuck in your head, right? So if you have this negative thought, <laughs> you don't know the answer. Normally in life, when you want to know something, you find out. But in jail, you don't. <laughs> so you're like, I don't know. I, you got this in your head and you're like, I can't get this out of my head. So when you have a negative thought, yeah. especially if there's an open loop to it, you need to know something or you want to know something. You can't get it out of your mind. I, I would sit there for hours just meditating, trying to just keep the door closed on negative thoughts. It's really difficult. It's a really strange experience. And maybe in normal jail in, in Western countries where you get to go and interact with people, you can distract yourself. But I was stuck in a room for 93 days in one room. I did not leave. That was where I was. I was allowed to go to the fridge once a day, which is a three meter walk and back. That is it in my room. You and T Tristan are in the same room or no? At the beginning we weren't, but then we ended up in the same room. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So yeah, the thoughts in jail are very pervasive. And it's also a long time 
maybe never, maybe never, in the outside world where I had a thought in my head for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. You just satisfy the problem. You fix the issue in the real world. In jail, you can't do that. So yeah, family and kids, and those are the positive things that you do think about. But it's difficult because I think of children, I think of legacy. And then if you're gonna think of your legacy via your children, you have to think of your legacy via your actions. And then you have to sit and by extension go, well, truly, truly on my deathbed, truly, will I be happier if I gave up or if I continue to tell the truth? I'm scared of the regret of thinking, you know what, I was the most famous man in the world and every man on earth was listening to me and I was really making a difference, but I got scared. I don't think I can live with that. I don't think I can live as a coward. I don't, I feel, I'd feel like a pussy. I just feel like a wimp. And sometimes inside of men, that's all it takes for us to do the most st stupid things there is. The idea of feeling like a coward. A man will run into a burning building to not be a coward. If the, if the firefighter, they go, there's children in there. And the whole building's on fire. It's like, well, I can't be a coward. I'll fuck it. And you'll risk your life. It's something that's built inside of us, honor and pride. It's something that should be. It's what they're trying to take away from us. But it's what used to be built inside of men. And I just feel like I can't give up. I know what I'm doing is good. I know what I'm teaching is good. I know that people don't like it, but I know I'm not teaching anything that's bad. And yeah, I want my children to be happy, but I have daughters too. And how do you make sure that your daughters are secure and have a good future? Well, I think you do that by building good men. How else do you do it? My, my daughter is mine now, but she won't be mine forever. She's going to marry somebody. I like the idea of her marrying a good man with honor and principle, a man like me. I don't want to marry some idiot. So they call me a misogynist and I'm anti-woman. I'm pro-woman. The, the best way you can improve the lives of women is, is make men better men, better at being men. Because when a man is a good man, he's good for all of society, including women. He's good for everyone around him when he's good at being a man. So I feel like I'm helping them as well by extension. And it's difficult. And yeah, I... I I, I can't say with honesty that I strongly considered giving up. It never crossed my mind. It, 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 it was there for a second, do I need to do this? And after like half a second, it was like, yeah, I do. I, I don't know why. I can't, I, it doesn't make logical sense. So kids didn't influence it one way or another? Kids, That's kids, what I want. Kids, kids made me want to do it more. Kids made you want to do it kids more? Kids made me want to do it more. Got it. I, I, I look up to my father as a hero, and I would hate for my sons to look up at me and not see me as a hero because that's how I believe you should see your dad as a hero. And I feel like I've, and you're not a hero without an enemy, and you're not a hero without a fight. Did, did they ever try to, uh, uh, and by the way, I don't see this working effectively at all, but did they at all try to come in between you and Tristan, or you and the two girls, or the two of you and them? Was there any manipulation and divisiveness going on there? What, what about these stories that came out that you've got cancer and lung cancer, and then you were poisoned and these matrix attacks? Yeah, so the are you planting these stories? No. Are they making these things no, up? No, so the cancer thing is interesting, because by Romanian law, every 30 days to extend the arrest, there has to be new information. They can't extend the arrest based on the previous information. So they put together all this garbage case and they arrested me for 30 days. To keep me another 30 days, they have to find something during that 30 day arrest period to keep me for the second month. But of course there's nothing to find. So when I was having uh, medical scans in Dubai, a scar, a dark spot was identified on my lung and I had follow-up tests booked for February. So when after the first 30 days, I called up my PA and she said, are you coming to Dubai? I said, well, yeah, if they let me go at the end of these 30 days, I'll come to Dubai for my medical tests. They took that conversation and shown it and used it in court saying, I'm trying to flee the country and trying to escape the judicial system as motivation for the second month's arrest. And the judge agreed and locked me in jail. 
because I said that I would go to a medical appointment if I was free. And they used that as proof I'm trying to run because they had nothing else. And the judge agreed it for some reason and kept me in jail. Then everything in Romania leaks. So it leaked that I had this medical thing in Dubai. I had a problem with my lungs. And then there's a hospital here. And I decided to go to the hospital here and have it looked at. Because although I was not concerned, I thought, you know what? Although it's difficult to do procedures in jail, I have time for once in my life. So I decided to go to the hospital here in Romania. And Romania does have some private health care, which is actually very high quality. It's not as poor as people think it is. And I went to a private hospital. And I knew it wasn't cancer. I knew it wasn't. I sat down with the doctor and I said, we're really concerned about this dark spot in your lung. I said, it's not cancer. He said, how do you know? I said, that's just not my life path. It's not my story. You told him that? Yeah. <laughs> the doctor was like, OK, but we have to investigate. He's like, we can investigate, but it's just not my story. It's not cancer. I have 0%. When BBC came, did you have guys like watching every move they yeah. were making? You had to almost put like one-on-one, -on -one, right? One Somebody's counts. watching everything they're yeah. doing. Everything. You have to do it, right? Yeah. You can't be, yeah. you have to be overly paranoid and skeptical with these guys. If they want to hear about, you know, Ricky Tang's crime lord, if they want to hear more about the crime <laughs> syndicate in Hong Kong, I can tell them all about it, because Carter and Lee is going to get it under control. But, but um, yeah, I, I mean, this is the thing. This is actually a really interesting point, which I'll go into before I finish the lung story. So I went to the doctors here. In Romania, everything leaks. It leaked out to the press. I had this mark on my lungs. I was supposed to go to Dubai. They denied me going to Dubai. They said that's enough reason to hold me and keep me in jail, which is absolutely insane, all because I also had a phone call about a medical procedure. It's crazy. But they were always going to keep me anyway and find some reason. I went there, I had a bronchioscopy. Have you ever had one of them? Bro. I wouldn't call it painful, but it's certainly horrible. So they put a camera in your lung. So it's not, it's down your throat, but it's in your lung. It's not down your throat, it's into the airway. So you're trying to vomit and you're trying to cough and you can barely do either. And they're moving this camera around inside. It's extremely unpleasant. Even it the, sucks. I had it three years ago in Dallas for the whole allergy thing. That did I you have a bronchioscopy? Yeah, they have to knock you out. It's terrible. Yeah. You've had the yeah, same absolutely. procedure. Were you awake or asleep? No, they gave me anesthesia. So I was, uh, I was asleep. Oh, bro, here. What was, were you? I was awake. Yeah. Wide awake. Um, yeah. Oh, I was wide awake. Sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, they gave me this, uh, uh, they, they tried to numb your throat a bit and then they gave it to me. And the doctor's all around me. It's kind of interesting because when something is in your mouth and you're choking, you want to grab it, right? So you're on a chair and you're, chain, you're like tied to the chair. So you can't move your hands. So you're like tied to the chair and you're like this. And they put this thing down your throat, this camera. And you're trying to vomit and you're trying to cough. But they can't move the camera when you're coughing. So even the guard, the armed guard who took me, the police officer, the guy, he was in the corner of the room. And even he was, I could see on his face, he was like, fucking hell. And I've, I don't even want to reenact it because it's probably so horrible to look at. But you're, you're just... Like, like you're trying to vomit, you're trying to cough, you're like, your face is bright red, you can't breathe. And they're like, stop coughing, stop coughing, stop coughing. And you have to try and stop coughing for like two seconds so they can adjust the camera a bit. It's the worst 20 minutes of my life, it was horrible. They finish that and they go, okay, well the good news is there's precisely zero smoking damage on your lungs and your lungs are perfect. But the lesion, whatever it is, is on the outside of your lungs. It's not the inside of your lungs. You couldn't see anything. So I completed that procedure, went back to jail. That was a nice evening. Um, horrible. Anyone has a bronchioscopy, yeah, go to sleep. Don't stay awake. Horrible. Um, then they said, we have to find it. We have to, put a, we have to get a biopsy from the outside of your lungs. So we have to put a needle through your back, a needle like this long, through your back, through your rib cage, to your lung, a CT-guided biopsy, it's called, and take a piece of it and then pull the needle back out and then do a biopsy on the piece. Now, they're like, this is an operation. Do you want to have it while you're in jail? Because I'm, the bronchioscopy wasn't much to recover from. I had a really sore throat, whatever, whatever. But this is an operation, do you wanna have it while you're in jail? And I was like, well, why not? I'm in jail, I have time. I can't recover, but I have time. 
So I went for my CT guided biopsy. They put you on your front. They, get, they show you the needle. It's like this long. And then they, they, they stick it in you. And then they scan you with the biopsy. And they try and see where the mark is. And they adjust the needle. And they scan it. It's like 30 minutes of them shoving this needle in you, trying to get to the right point. And eventually, they uh, did it, did the biopsy. And they said, uh, yeah, it's, it's benign. Some lesion I might have had from when I had, I had pneumonia when I was a kid or something. It was benign. And that's what I told you. I knew that cancer wasn't my life path. I knew it wasn't. But obviously, rumors spread like wildfire. 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 Everybody in the States. Especially because I smoke. Especially because I smoke all the time. Right. But, but it was actually very refreshing to hear. I have zero smoking damage in my lungs. Zero. I was like, there's zero? I mean, I, I'll accept a little bit. <laughs> I'll take a little bit. But I think it's because I train every single day. I work out every single day. I train hard every single day. And I think, you know, you, you burn it off. A couple cigars here and there are not a big deal. It's not cigarettes. I think cigars are better than cigarettes. I also believe nicotine is a super drug, so I'm not going to stop. I think nicotine and caffeine. A super drug? 100%. What does that mean? Nicotine and caffeine are what I run on. Hundred, hundreds, all I run on. Coffee's for closers, bro. Tell him. Tell him. <laughs> Tell him. I'm the only one that, that drinks coffee. The two, the two of us. Oh, really? By the way, you know who, uh, who talked about nicotine? Tucker Carlson talked about nicotine, right? Have you seen that no. when he talks about nicotine where he starts his days off, his day off with nicotine? Or, Fire, yeah. oh, 100%. Fire blood. I, I, I have about 10 to 15 cups of coffee a day and two or three cigars a day, and I only eat once a day. And it's funny because people look at my- 10 to 15. Cups of coffee a day, minimum. Minimum. Wow. But you don't do drugs. Zero drugs. You'll, do, you'll have a sip of alcohol every once in a while. I used to. I haven't had alcohol in nine months. I've quit. But you're running on caffeine- And nicotine. And nicotine. It's funny because people look at my physique when I put pictures up, and they're like, what's your meal plan? I'm like, bro, cigars and coffee. <laughs> coffee and cigars. Coffee and cigars. I eat once a wow. day. I eat once a day. I what eat, time? I eat dinner only. That's it? Only eat dinner and eight. So you do intermittent fasting for every 18 day. hours? What? Yeah. And 80 to 90% of my calories are meat. That's it. I'll just have like three steaks for dinner. Now, how well, much of I that is that. genetics? How much is that? Like I'm not sure if it's genetics, yeah. but that's just how I feel best. I feel best when, if I, if I smoke and drink coffee all the time, I feel hungry, which motivates me, and I feel energetic. It's energetic hungry. That's how I like to feel when I'm working. I want to be hungry. If I eat, I'm just tired. Life's too good if I eat. I'm in my mansion. I've just eaten. She's beautiful. I'm gonna bed. No, but if, but if I don't, yeah, but if I don't eat, I'm like, maybe, I wouldn't say angry, but I like to have that tinge of irritableness. Does that make sense? I don't know. Maybe I sound crazy. What it's how mean? I get things done. It's how I get life done. It's just how I. Cups of coffee a day, three cigars, and you eat once a day. That's right. Yeah. And you train every day. I train every day. And it's working, well, working, working for you. It's how I feel best. I don't know if I, if you wrote a book on uh, Tate's diet, if that book would do well. <laughs> well, I had, I had, well, this is interesting because I had a blood test when I was in hospital for yeah. all these things and my testosterone level, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on male hormones because I'm not, I don't understand them. I don't know what measurement it's in, but it's, it was between nine and 27 is the testosterone, the testosterone level, the mark it can be between nine and 27, the normal range. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've never taken a steroid in my life. I don't inject anything. I don't take any pills, nothing. And I was 32. I was above the normal scale and I'm 36 years old. It's supposed to be going down. So whatever I'm doing, I'm sticking to it. What was your diet and your regimen while in jail? There was no Cigarette, coffee? There, you... Oh, I had coffee and cigarettes. Don't worry, bro. I had those. Really? I spent my commissary money on coffee and cigarettes. I had coffee and cigarettes and one meal a day. Same. So there was commissary money. Yeah. So we had Who gave you that. Yeah. So uh, a friend of mine put money on my account. So I was a rich guy in jail because in Romanian jail, most people haven't got money. Right? I was rich. rich. Guy in jail. I was rich. <laughs> There's a limit to how much you can buy, but I was spending the maximum. So I had plenty of cigarettes, coffee. I actually quit coffee. But now we're talking about coffee, and then I want to go back to the point you made earlier, but. I quit coffee for the first 30 days in jail because I've never, I've never not been caffeinated. My experience of life is caffeinated, <laughs> caffeinated human, right? If I'm awake, it's caffeine. So I'm like, I don't need energy now. I'm in jail. So I quit caffeine and, and all coffee for 30 days to see if there's any tangible benefits. And I can confirm to the world that there are none. Zero. I did not sleep any better. I did not go to sleep any easier. I did not dream anymore. Nothing, absolutely nothing good happened except I was tired of it. It was garbage. I was like, give me my coffee back. I went back to my 15 coffee, cups of coffee a day. That's, Reaffirmed that's your coffee. to have that much coffee. The last time I drank coffee, I was 25. We have really? one friend. Literally. We have one every, friend that drinks almost as much Mario coffee. Mario drinks yeah, as Mario. much as Shout you. out to And by the way, everybody around me loves coffee. Yeah. Including my 11-year-old son, Tico. Yeah. He, he, him and his mom got into an argument the other day because she didn't want to take him to Starbucks. He's like, yeah. what do you mean? It's like, I want some coffee. He's like, you're not having coffee yeah, yeah. at 11 years old. Anyways, but it's working for you. It's working for your body. Correct. Sometimes when you, when you find a diet or a combination that, that hits your body well, you'll know it, you'll feel it. And, and, and you have to know your body the correct. best. Correct. I think there's no perfect diet for everybody. I agree. Everyone's slightly different. I agree. And that's just, and, and I think you are what you eat to a degree. And it also depends the mental model you want to operate under. Some, if I want to operate under comfort, I certainly wouldn't eat the way I eat. I do it because I particularly want to operate under a degree of irritability and high energy and hunger. I like feeling hungry. I don't like feeling full. I like being hungry all the time. I, I love that. I mean, that's, that's the quality of people where, you know, you can, you can tell a lot from somebody how big they think after they make money and they have some success. Yeah. When they make money, that's when they slow down. That's when they get casual. The hunger goes away. Yeah. It, you'll really know if somebody's hungry when they made money and they're still going. What is this guy doing still going? Yeah. You've already made the money. You've already had the success. Yeah. Let's transition to a couple other stories here. Sure. So. All of a sudden, you put in your profile. Obviously, I joked about it. You're the most Googled yeah. woman on earth. You know, that was based on your Twitter profile. You know, Nina Turner comes out and says, if somebody says they're a woman, they're a woman. Not a tough concept. Your response is, I'm a woman, right? You do that. And you've left it on Twitter. Yeah. Tell us why. Because I am. You don't believe me? You're a woman? Are you misgendering me? I have to choose that you choose to agree with you, right? My pronouns are she, her. No, but the, the level of... It's all a joke, right? But there's actually a very sinister undertone to all of this garbage. And the sinister undertone is that your baseline instincts and your baseline senses are how you've always perceived the world, right? They have to attack them at some level. And they did it. I mean, it's fantastic with COVID. COVID, I know we can talk about it now, it was amazing. I used to say to people all the time, who have you seen die? Do you see a pandemic? Yeah, on the news. No, 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 no. Do you see ambulances rushing back and forth everywhere? Do you see bodies on the street? Do you see lines outside of hospitals? Do you see a pandemic, how a pandemic would look? Do you see a pandemic? Oh, but my grandma, my friend's grandma, your friend's grandma was 96, okay? So I'm, I'm not saying it's not sad, I'm saying she was 96. Do you see a pandemic? No, you don't. But they have just lied to you so many times that you're ignoring your own eyes. 
That's the final stage of the slave mind. It's the final stage. The final stage of the slave mind is when your eyes tell you this is green, but the news told you it was blue. So it has to be blue. So when they're doing these things, it's nothing to do with caring about the mental health, of gender ideology, none of this garbage. They're deliberately attacking you and saying, what your eyes tell you is wrong. Because if they can make you start to admit that your own eyes are wrong, then what, what other defense do you have against propaganda? If they're going to give you a lie, but your own eyes can't protect you, well then it's over, isn't it? So all of these things they're doing, all of these things are a deliberate assault on the senses. And they do it by controlling the language. If you control what someone says, over time, you'll control what they think. You don't think what you don't say. It's very hard to live a life for eight years, if you're lucky, and think things and never say them ever. If you think it, you're gonna say it sometimes. You're gonna give the idea, get some feedback on the idea, build on the idea, change the idea, whatever it is, through discussion. If you never, ever, ever discuss it, you're not gonna think it. So they say, this is the truth, ignore your eyes, and you have to say it's the truth. You can't say it's not the truth. And the people who are in charge of the world, they think generationally, they have time. Right now it's a joke. 200 years from now it won't be a joke. 200 years from now it'll all be fucking standard operating protocol. The grandchildren, the people who are in charge now, that, that's what they want, they'll pull it off in the end. Slow, incremental damage. They'll take, they do it with nearly everything. They'll take all your rights away, they'll take 100 of your rights away. They'll upset you, they'll give you 99 back. We're good again, don't worry. And, and the grandchildren of the people in charge of the world get what they want in the end, they think generationally. So now we're at the beginning of it, it's all a big joke, right? But, especially before Elon had Twitter, when you couldn't say the truth online, when you couldn't say my eyes see X on the internet without going to jail or losing your account, or getting a hate speech charge in the UK or some garbage, they're controlling what you think. And on a long enough time frame, what you think becomes true. If two, we all believe two plus two is four. But with a hard enough psyop, if you can't say that, if you have to say it's five, on a long enough time frame, math breaks down and everyone's just gonna believe that two plus two equals five. You, That's what happens. You think we're gonna get there? Have you ever seen the experiment? There's a really interesting experiment with monkeys and a banana and a water spout. Have you ever seen this? They put five monkeys in a, in a room and at the top of the room there was a banana. And when one monkey tried to climb up to get the banana, they turn on the hose and splash all the monkeys with ice cold water. So the monkey would come back down and wouldn't get the banana. And when another monkey would go to climb up, they'd splash all the monkeys with ice cold water. And what would happen over time is, when a monkey went to climb the rope to get the banana, the other monkeys would jump and pull him down and hit him and teach him a lesson. Don't go for that banana. If you go for that banana, we get splashed with water. Mm -hmm. Then they'd swap one of the monkeys out. Now there's a new monkey in the room who doesn't know the game. The new monkey would attempt to climb and all four monkeys would attack the monkey, pull him back down and kick his ass. He knows if he climbs the rope to get the banana, he gets attacked. He doesn't know he gets splashed with water if he, doesn't, if he gets the banana. He doesn't know the game, but he knows if I try and climb, they're gonna attack me. After a certain amount of weeks, they change another monkey, and another monkey, another monkey. Over time, you have five brand new monkeys who have never been splashed with water ever, but nobody goes to climb the rope because if they do, they're attacked by all the other monkeys, and nobody even knows why. Damn. That's just how it works. If you climb that rope, we beat you up. That's just how it works. That's what they're doing on a long enough time scale to humanity. There are already X amount of people on the planet. There's already a population, X percent, who knows what it is, who ignore their own eyes and repeat what they are told. You can't say that that's not what they're doing because they're already successful with X amount of the population. They've begun. The seed is there. 
2%, who knows? They've already proven they can do it. Now it's just a matter of not shutting up and hammering, the, hammering at home. Make sure they repeat it in schools. Children are young, they believe things, they're impressionable. Hammer it to the kids, especially. Put it in every Disney movie. Give it to the kids all day long. They grow up sooner or later. Long enough time frame, that's it. It's generational attacks. But do you think that's gonna work though? Because I, I, let me maybe unpack the question. So. Uh, uh, I'm from Glendale. I went to Glendale High School yeah. and Steloy, right? So yesterday, a big fight broke out in Glendale. Massive, it's all over the news. Yeah. So the fight was over these parents, Armenian parents, who were for four years are like, listen, we don't mind if you're gay, but don't teach our four-year-olds yeah. about transgender. Yeah. Don't put these books in. Yeah. Finally yesterday, big old brawl. Yeah. It's all over the news. They're fighting. Armenian parents are like, we're not going to tolerate this. Yeah. This is just not going to happen to us, right? Then you go to YouTube. YouTube comes back and says, hey, uh, starting such and such, all the videos that were put up about, you know, the election and, you know, whether it was a fake election or not, we're no longer going to give a strike or take those videos down. Yeah. They can stay up there, right? This is totally fine. Then you see uh, uh, the Surgeon General uh, comes out, the attorney, I don't know if you saw this one here, he comes out with an article saying, new Surgeon General Advisory raises alarm about the devastating impact of the epidemic of loneliness and isolation in the United States. This is the same guy that was part of the camp, yeah. is now saying, hey, our epidemic of loneliness and isolation has been an underappreciated public health crisis that has harmed individuals and social health, our relationship, our source of healing, et cetera. Et cetera. This is the same guy that said, wait a minute, lockdown, you know, do this, do that. Yeah. So the more and more arguments are coming out against even ESG, I don't know how close you follow ESG, where why are we doing this? Did you see how much Target lost? $10 billion? Did you see how much Bud Light lost? 25%, 12%? This is no longer working. Well, if you want to, like, even one of the insurance companies I work with, closely, it's one of our biggest ones we work with. Yesterday, I see their post on Instagram. Well, because of Pride Month, we're doing this. I know the people in that company, but they just raised a few hundred million dollars. One of the companies they gave the money to was one of these bigger guys, the Vanguard, BlackRock, and, you know, State, State Street. Street. Yeah. So when you take money from those guys, you have to have, you have, to have a certain ESG yeah. score. But a lot of people are now saying this is not a proven formula that it works. Stop doing it. So do you think guys like you who are maybe in business, who are maybe in church, they're saying, Pope, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Who are maybe in the Christian uh, church, who are maybe in different denominations. Yeah. They're in the military sitting back saying, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. So meaning successfully, do you think these guys will be able to manipulate their agendas down everybody's throat or there's going to be certain people standing up? Well, certainly I'd like to believe that the tide is shifting and we're starting to get some degree of victory against the matrix as a whole. I do believe that the public sentiment is shifting. However, the fight is long and it's very, very difficult because I agree with what you're saying. Only a year ago, I would argue it completely and say it's basically over. I'm actually very impressed with the back, with the, with the ground we've taken back with common sense. But these people operate so slowly. It's generational, these attacks. The attacks we're suffering now were started in the 70s and 80s. They take it over time. And yes, it's fantastic that those parents fought back against that school. That's fantastic. But there's a whole bunch of schools where they didn't. And who knows, okay, that particular book might be removed. A softer version will be implemented. Next year, maybe that book will come back. They, they have all the time in the world, all the money in the world. And they're, they're insulated from these things. That's what's most scary. You talk about Vanguard and BlackRock and all these companies. What's actually scary about it is the people who are making these decisions are completely insulated from the consequences of their decisions. They're in Switzerland. They fly private. They don't care. You think they care about any of this crap? They'll say, oh, do this. Oh, it's caused a riot. 
They don't live there. They're nowhere near it. They have nothing to do with it. When is the last time you've even seen a politician? Do these people even exist? They're not even near, they have nothing to do with where they, they operate. It's actually amazing. When I was in Dubai once, I think it was about three years ago, I saw the leader of Dubai walking through the mall. I was like, he's a person and he just walks through the mall. I was so impressed. Imagine a, a Western leader walking through the mall. Never, never, never in a million years. It's just pieces of paper, private jet, vanish. All these people are in charge of everything, don't even live in these communities. I do believe that yes, we can win because I don't think you can fight to the best of your ability if, if all hope is lost. I do believe we're winning and taking ground back, absolutely. And I believe that we're doing that by purely telling the truth. What our eyes see is what's real. And we're doing it in the name of God because you're saying Armenians are strictly religious. I think God and religion is one of the best ways you can combat these things. However, the fight is never ending because they're never ending gonna try and implement. You talk about ESG scores, it's garbage they put together. That's not gonna end. It's just gonna get worse and worse and worse over time. And it's kind of unfortunate and it's kind of upsetting that we still have this system where the people can be unhappy with something, the peasants can revolt to a degree, but does it even really matter at some point? You get to a point of power where you don't care about money. And then things are really difficult, right? When you control everything, you don't care about money. I mean, I'd like to actually argue, we talk about Bud Light. This Mulaney, whatever is it? Dylan Mulvaney. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Dylan Mulvaney. Sweetheart, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I know we've damaged their share price, et cetera, et cetera. I would believe people who own that company or beyond that company, I don't think they truly give a fuck. In both. I don't think they care. Maybe they care a bit. I don't think they're losing that much sleep over it. Maybe they are a little bit, but I'm saying you get to degrees of power and levels of power where you don't care about money. I'll give you a perfect example of it. I know we keep going back to this, but it was actually a massive pivotal event in awakening so many people was the COVID scam. I said this multiple times in many different countries I visited. I said, if they cared about you, they would have left everything open, maybe put a tax on everything, extra tax percent, whatever, and built hospitals. Why didn't they do that? Why did they, why did they lock you all up? Because it's a mass compliance exercise. They want you to comply. They don't give a shit about your health. They just want you to comply. They want to test how many people comply. And people were saying, yeah, it's all about money. It's all about profit. And I said, that's actually a very optimistic way to look at it. I think that if you destroy the economy and lock everyone in their houses and destroy everyone's businesses, you don't care about money. You're, you're beyond money. You're above money. You want power and you want control. Because once you become actually rich, you learn that the world is all just about people, right? The best things in your life are people. The best things in your life are family. The things that make you happiest are your friends. Your life experience is the best if you have good team around you, good assistants, good helpers, good staff, whatever it is. It's all about people and controlling people. What do you want money for? To get other people to do what you want. That's all money is. I want a Lamborghini. I can't build one. He can. I will pay him to build me a Lamborghini. It's all about people. So once you get beyond a certain level of money and there's a certain level of control you want that money perhaps can't buy, buy, then you think, well, I don't care about the money. I want the power. I don't want money, I want them to stay in their houses. Why, because it's not so. I don't have to, they have to. Ha ha ha, it's funny. And I've said that and sat with people and they said, do you really think people in charge of the world are so petty that they would lock everyone in their houses so they can laugh? I say, yeah, I actually do. I think if you were born into a wealthy family where money has precisely zero value and you are arrogant to the moon because you're this whoever and you believe you're God's gift and you don't, a Ferrari ain't gonna make you happy. Who cares about Ferrari? Ferrari's free, it's pennies. You don't care about any of this shit. What makes you happy is everyone respecting you and being afraid of you. To a degree, you're going to try and influence some power and fear. I think that's what it is. So I think a lot of these companies, when they're doing these things and they're upsetting people, etc., yeah, it's good that we're fighting back, but I also think part of them enjoy the show. I think part of them genuinely enjoy the show. I think part of them go, you know what? Let's do, this is, this is insane. 
Let's do this. Ah, oh, they're fighting. Uh, I really believe it. I, I, I know it's a pessimistic way to look at it, but I think they enjoyed the show apart. I don't disagree with you in, in regards to that. I can see that how, you know, you see it in movies or scenes where, you know, condescending, arrogant, you know, and they kind of want to, they enjoy bullying the guy that can't help himself, right? Hey, do this. Hey, clean up. Pick this up. <laughs> look at this. He'll do anything that I need him to do, right? I yeah. fully believe that those types of things exist. But, man... Empires have fallen so many times because they thought they can get away with murder. It's true. And then eventually people said, listen, stop. You're not going to do this to me anymore. We're not, we're not going to take a stand. And typically when that happens, you said it earlier, uh, you know, what is really why, what's going on in Glendale or some of these other cities that people are protesting? Why is there an organization called Gays Against Groomers? Yeah. Gays Against Groomers? What? What do you, why, what are you doing? He says, man, I just wanted to be gay and leave me alone. I'm not trying to be, you know, grooming kids. That's not my job. I just want to be gay. Leave me alone. We've made so much progress. Yeah. These guys, I'm not that guy. I'm not yeah. this person, right? Yeah. So I think the part that they fear the most, if you read Communist Manifesto, there's a book written by uh, Cleon Skousen. I think he was like a former yeah. CIA agent for like 15 years. He wrote a book called The Naked Communist. Yeah. One of the things he talks about how getting rid of God. Well, they're succeeding in that area, but not fully yet. Yeah. You know, getting rid of the family nucleus. Well, we already know what is the purpose of this LGBTQ movement? What is the purpose of this transgender? What is the purpose of, let me get this straight. This person cannot buy a gun at 13. This person cannot go in the military at 13. This person cannot vote at 18. This person cannot own a car at 13, but they can transition the most, the most important decision of their lives. You're okay with? Yes. To, nah, that doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't make sense to me. I think you said something at the beginning, the, the concept of being tolerant. You know what? Yeah, it's okay. We can have gays. Oh, it's okay. We can have this. It's okay. uh, listen, man. Uh-uh. You've crossed the line a little bit. Yeah. I think faith, family, kids, values, principles, they fear the hell out of it. Absolutely. And I think that community is rising up. No, you're totally right. But you made a really interesting point there about empires falling. And this is where I kind of feel like we're enter entering a new stage of the world because it's never really done before. Because typically when empires fell, the world was far more polarized. If the empire fell, there was nowhere for the corrupt dictators of said empire to go. The empire's fallen, or I say, let's say England fell. You can't, it's very hard to get exile in France. You could do it a little bit. But let's say America fell today. Let's say it completely collapsed and it fell. The people who archetyped that downfall, do you think they beat America? Do you think they'd be sitting there waiting to get scooped up? Do you even know who they are? Can you recognize them? What's their name? Even if you could, do you think they're in America or do you think they're skiing in Switzerland? This globalism, the whole point of globalism is that they don't care when empires fall. When you globalize the world, then you have a chess board. I lost the knight. Doesn't matter. Bishop. Sack the queen. Who cares? There's so many things I want to say, but I don't want to die. But there's truth. This can be proven and shown even with this current proxy war. Europe and all the gas prices and the inflation rate in Europe has gone to the moon to fund this proxy war in Ukraine. Why has this happened? Because America's in charge of everything and America has decided that Europe has to bear the brunt of the bullshit for its proxy war. You're gonna have higher gas prices, you're gonna have inflation, you're gonna have massive unrest, you're gonna deal with it all. And we're gonna sit over here and insulate ourselves because we have the global reserve currency and the war is gonna happen over there and everyone's gonna die and we're in charge. So now you have this globalism. How can an empire fall when you have basically two camps? <laughs> There's two teams now. There's two sides left. So it's, it's a, it's, it, I agree with you completely about empires falling, but I'm saying if the empires fell in days of old, the kings would be strung up. 
But now when the empire falls, nobody notices. It doesn't matter. We don't know who the kings are. We don't know who's in charge. We don't know where they are. They're not going to be anywhere near the trouble. That's for fucking sure. There's going to be somewhere else. Oops. Oh, well. And do they really care? Do, do the people in charge of the world care if America's crime rate goes up 1,000%? Would they lose sleep at night? I actually think they do partially. Because think about it. So I'm, I'm with Andrew Schultz. And I'm taking your position with him. Yep. Okay. You know who Andrew Schultz yep. is? Good guy. And... He says, you know, part of me that gives me comfort is knowing these guys are so obsessed with their money. He may be wrong. This yeah. is, we can debate this. Yeah. They're so obsessed with their money that there's no way they're going to let America fall. Because if America falls, everything else falls. So they're, they're going to go just as much as they can to control, but not enough to get the machine to break because they're so in love with money and power, they don't want to give that up. Well, I hope that's true. I would love for that to be true, but my argument is that these people are already so deeply entrenched, they print the money. They'll print the new money. They don't care. If they cared about money, COVID wouldn't have happened. They closed the entire economy. I don't think they care about money. I think they, con I think they control the world to a level where you want to eat? Do you want war? <laughs> like, I, I don't think they give a shit about money. They'll print the new money. They'll change the name of it and print the new one. At a certain level of power, I think they're so above and beyond all of our concepts of how the world works that they don't have any interest in any of it. I don't think they give a shit. I think if you were to go to these people, whoever they are, and say, we're going to take your money away, they would just laugh at you. You think you can take my money? You think you understand money? You think you're going to damage the stock market? You think I give a shit about the share price? I think there's a level beyond all of this. And they're the ones who truly are running things and they truly have no influence. And in fact, the harder they damage the economy and the, the more damage they do to money, the more people are dependent on governments to eat. That's where communism comes from, right? The more yeah. poor we get, the more you need the government just so you have food in your mouth. How can you resist the government if they feed you? You can't. So yeah, like, and I sound pessimistic and I'm not pessimistic. And I do believe the answer to all of these things is free thinking and truth and God and communities standing up for themselves and changing the general consensus. I do believe that because to a degree, Although we talk about people who run the world, to a degree we run the world because our tolerance level is what runs the world. There's more of us than them. So to a degree you say, who's in charge of the world? Well, I like to say, well, we are because it's all about, we're, we're, the, abu we're the abused wife in this relationship. How much crap are we going to put up with? We're, we set the limit. They're going to come at us with everything they can, right? We set the limit. But the problem is they try very, very hard to one, increase our limit to the max, which yeah. is tolerance, yeah. and two, to divide us to the point where we don't ever unite long enough. I love what happened in Glendale, what you just told me about. That should be happening in every single school across America, all of them. Oh, what they would it? love it if you retweet the video for them and give more exposure. I will do. You know, it, it's, it, it, when you're saying this, I'm reading a book right now, Robert Moses. I don't know if you know who he is or not, power broker. This is a guy, it would be a very interesting guy for you to study. This is the guy that built New York, yeah. okay? And he came up and... Uh, uh, hated, a uh, uh, complicated person, misunderstood. Uh, the more they would push him back, the more he stood up. Yeah. The more they would say, no, this is not fair what you're doing, the more he would even say, I'm going to go more, even more extreme. And so if, if in New York you mention the name Robert Moses, there's going to be a camp that's going to say scumbag, racist, white supremacist, all this stuff. And there's a side that's going to say, this guy built a bridge. This guy did this. This guy did that. He, he, he would make it so hard for a certain community to go to the nicer community. He would put the car, you know, the bridge so low that trucks couldn't go through because he didn't want the bad people to go yeah. into this. Like, he was that yeah. sharp. And one time in, in the book, they talk about how Robert Moses, 
He says, look, the one thing about Robert Moses, he could give a shit about money. He could give a shit about, it was all about his influence over. So I agree, there's certain people that don't care about money. Yeah. They're more driven by control, influence, all of that. The part that, uh, uh, you know, we're talking about the movie Fury, Vinny, and you give me this whole thing about Fury, the scene where Shia LaBeouf is reading out of the Bible and he's crying while he's reading this. And then right, if you want to text me, what's, what the, and, and then afterwards, you see uh, Brad Pitt quotes exactly what scripture it was, but they never showed how much faith he had. Yeah. And the whole point was, I'm ready to die. Yeah. We know we're here. Yeah. This is going to be happening. We're in the tech. There's no, I think the people, there's a part about Trump. Uh, I had a girl on Whitney Webb. I don't know if you know who Whitney Webb is. We had her on. Okay. Yeah. And we start talking about different things. And I, yeah, I've been having a lot of weird guests on lately and making a comparison between the Kennedy family and Trump. Pisses a lot of people off. Yeah. But those two families, forget the fact that one's a Democrat, one's a Republican. They were both anti-establishment. Yeah. They were both anti-military industrial complex. They were both anti-CIA, anti-FBI, anti all of this stuff, right? Yeah. We saw what happened with Kennedy. We saw what happened with Reagan. We saw what happened with Lincoln. All these guys were anti-establishment guys. We saw what happened with Trump. Yeah. The part about Trump that, you know, made the other side uncomfortable is okay, we can kill the guy. That's been the strategy for a long time. You can't really do it today as much because they fear one thing that they're the most jealous and envy. You know what that is? They don't want, they do not want to build a martyr. Yes. They fear building a martyr yeah. because that's the ultimate yeah. high that they want to get. They yeah. do not want to build a martyr, right? So, okay. We're going to humiliate the crap out of you. We're going to embarrass the crap out of you. We're going to publicly try to do this. We're going to come in between you and your kids. Yeah. You know, uh, we're going to go get your daughter to be more yeah. LGBT. We're going to get her to be on this side. And we're going to pin this. That's the strategy. Yeah. We're going to put the, the break the entire family apart, right? And he still stands up there. Yeah. And, and to them, it's like, what the hell do we need to do yeah. for you to you know, just sit down and be quiet, not willing to do it? That's right. Do you think, again, going back to it, more of those types of men and women who are misunderstood and complicated stories. They, they're not perfect, far from it. Yeah. More of those guys are the ones that are saying, yeah, it's just not gonna happen on my watch, man. And that's what we need. And the, the, by the very nature of being the kind of person who's principled enough to risk his own personal situation in life, if you have principles that strong, you're gonna be disliked by some people. You're never going to have a person who is principled enough to take risk to his public detriment for the good of what he believes in, who's liked by everybody. That, that's a logic fail, right? Because he has principles which are hard lines, and people exist across the entire spectrum. So there's going to be people who exist outside of those lines. That's what I liked about Trump. He's not perfect. Of course not. But he says what he means. He means what he says. I actually disagree with him on many things. But he says what he means. He means what he says. And that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of a man who says what he means and means what he says because he can't be bought because he's principled. He can't be bought. Even now, me, if they were to come to me with $100 million and say, we'll sponsor you with this company, it's $100 million, you just have to shut up, I'd say, no, I don't want your money. I don't want the money. I don't need money. There's nothing else to buy. I bought everything. I don't need it. I, my principle's worth more. So, and that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of principles, and it goes back to the original point. They're trying to remove all of our morality, all of our baseline understanding of things. Minect is an application which allows you to take a minute to connect with influencers from all around the world. My name is Andrew Tate, and I'm available to speak directly to you on Minect. That's, that's how they in inject you with the slave mind. That's exactly what it is, and you're right. Hum history has always been that way. And now it's under conscious assault. 
I've never said this before, I've never even thought this before, this is a brand new thought for me. But I would like to think in times of old, in history, perhaps everybody was the same, everybody was principled, everybody had parameters, but they were different parameters. Perhaps they were competing ideas. But I think in the modern world, it's not so much competing parameters, it's just people who believe in things, and people who don't believe in anything besides what they're fucking told, and it changes every day. You have the empty brains, the, the slave minds, and the people who actually stand up for something. And the, the free thinkers. And the free thinkers. But the slave minds, you can't say, well, they believe in a different ideology, because they don't. They believe in what they're told to believe in on that particular day. It changes. They don't have any true core belief. They just repeat. I talk about the matrix all the time, and people say, why did you choose that terminology? And I chose that terminology because it is perfectly accurate in describing exactly what is happening. The matrix is a computer program which is designed to control your mind so that your body can be used to power the machines. That's exactly what happens when they make you watch the news. To control your minds, you continue to use your body to work some garbage job and suffer from inflation and power the machines. The machines being soulless people who are in charge of the world. But there's also a million other different ways you can compare the matrix to the real world. In the matrix, they say, anybody can become an agent at any time. If their mind is not unplugged, they become an agent. If their mind is not freed, they turn into an agent. You can see that in real life. Mention COVID to an NPC. Mention Trump to an NPC. You can sit and have a perfectly cordial, normal conversation with somebody for an hour and be fine. And you can mention one of the particular subjects, mm. which they are programmed to hate by the matrix itself, and they will turn into an agent in real time. And you will see them now start to genuinely, emotionally dislike you as a person. They were your friend for an hour. Yeah. Now they hate you. They will turn into an agent. COVID was perfect. I would sit with people and we'd all be friends until I mentioned that COVID's garbage. And they would, <laughs> now they're an agent. What do you mean COVID's garbage? My friend's grandma was 99 and she got sick. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> it doesn't change my view. And they change. And, and the matrix is actually a perfect, absolute explanation of what's happening. And, and Morpheus says it, if your mind's not free, you can be one of them. And that's what's happening. And this is why we have, we don't have competing sets of parameters which are trying to argue about which is the best way to run the world. We have people with parameters who believe in family and love and God and tradition and taking care of yourself and taking care of others. There's people with moral standard and there's people with none, zero, empty vessels, agents who are programmed on any given day of what they're supposed to care about. These people can't tell me they care about things. That's what's most annoying about my position because it's absolutely and utterly weaponized virtue they use against me. The people who hate me, hate me because one, I, I truly believe, and I know this is arrogant to say, but I feel like I have to say it. There's huge, there's definitely a massive jealousy implement. If I wasn't so tall and rich and good looking, it wouldn't be happening. They don't fucking like me. They don't like me because I remind them of the jock at school that took their girl. That's part of it, right? They don't like me personally. So they can't, they try, it's true. So they try and find an attack vector. And what happens when you have somebody who's monumentally successful across all realms of human endeavor, the only way you can attack them is by calling them a bad person. They can't call me stupid, they can't call me ugly, can't call me broke, can't call me weak, can't, they can't call me any of these things. So how do we attack this guy? Well, he's a bad person. How do you call someone a bad person? You weaponize virtue. None of the people, none, who are pretending to give a shit about women and that I'm bad to protect women have any interest in protecting women. None of these people think I better become physically strong to protect women. None of them even believe in protecting a woman in a physical scenario. None of them even believe in protecting their family. None of them have any, none of them donate to any charities that involve women, nothing. They're just taking the virtue and weaponizing it and attacking me with it. Me as a person who donates $25 million a year to charity to feed both male and female children. Me as a person who believes I have a responsibility to be physically capable so that any woman I'm walking down the street with is safe. I do more for women than any of these clowns would ever do. 
but they're just weaponizing virtue and attacking me with it. It's not even genuine virtue. That's what's so upsetting about it. These people, the matrix-minded people, have so few parameters and so few virtue. Whenever there's virtue inside of them, it's only so they can take it, weaponize it, and fire it at you. They don't give a shit about any of the issues they talk about. They don't care about race. They don't care about women. They don't care about gays. None of it. They take it, they put it in a bullet, and they shoot it at the people they don't like. It's all fake. All of it. When you were, when you were talking about this, um... I wrote all these things down that we're talking about. Principal virtues, God, parents, true believers, fighters, traditions. These people they fear, right? All these people they fear. And these guys are slowly but surely starting to stand up. The scene we're talking about with Shia LaBeouf, he says what we're doing here is a righteous act. Here's a Bible verse I think about sometimes, many times. This is his words. It goes, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And he began crying and said, Here I am, send me. Brad Pitt turns around and says, Book of Isaiah chapter 6. For me, <clears throat> in my own business, I asked this question the other day. I'm so curious to get your thoughts on this. For the longest time, when I got into business, I was you know, a younger guy, 21. I'm like, okay, very coachable. Tell me, what do I got to do? I'm a coachable guy. What do I got to do? I'm a coachable guy. Super coachable. I want to make money. I'm sick of time of being broke. My dad's at the 99 cents. Too many heart attacks. I want to get out of this. Yep. So I'm like, hey, Patrick, basic stuff. When you're doing business, when you're talking to rich people, I'm Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. Never talk religion. Never talk politics. Never talk sex. Just don't talk about those three things. I said, okay, guess what? Never talk politics. Never talk religion, never talk sex. No problem. We're going to business. So what do you think about the political climate today, Patrick, Ben David? Yeah. Oh, what do you think? Yeah. You know, well, I think this, 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 but what do you think, Patrick? I don't know, you know, quite frankly, I think I'm trying to figure it out for myself right now, but we'll see what's gonna happen, like, you know, the, whatever yeah. way you're deflecting yeah. and you kind of go on your phone. Hey, what do you think about God? What, what is your opinion on Islam or Muslim? Yeah. Well, you know, for me, you know, yeah. you deflect that. Eventually, you're sitting there, you're like, the people that I know at that level, want to talk about those three topics. Yep. Now, sex is maybe off camera and they're kind of having fun with yeah, it, yeah, yeah. but they want to talk about politics and religion. Yep. So we, for the longest time, have been silenced, and now the ESG community, all this time they've told us to stay quiet, and they're saying what? They're talking politics, yeah. they're talking religion, yeah. and they're talking sex. Sex the way through LGBTQ, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? It's normal, it's normal, it's normal. No, it's not normal. Yeah. Well, listen, you guys shouldn't talk about politics and sex and religion, shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. And then you see this one, you know, during COVID, one pastor, Australia, a Syrian man. I don't know what his name is, Benny. What's his name? The Aust Syrian pastor, priest from uh, Australia. And he was uh, fighting all the anti-COVID guidelines. And he's, yeah. his stuff is going viral. He's yeah. doing this. And you see these messages. Some of the people that stood up, they stood up because they feared God. Yeah. Okay. And for you, with your life, it's been interesting watching you go through your evolution of your faith. Yeah. Pre-2022, former atheist, couple yeah. of the things you've said in the past, God isn't real because you can't prove it. Yep. Okay, kind of like uh, that was more the Malcolm X argument, right? Yeah. Bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people yep. far too often for God to exist. Yep. I'm the center of my universe. That's yep. pre-2020. Then gradually you start talking about Christianity and yeah. you know in 2020 you made a video announcing that you were wrong about what you had said previously about God, right? Yeah. Now you start saying people are, uh, who are atheists are angry, bad energy people and I don't want to be uh, on that team anymore. And even if God is not real, the world is a better place if people do believe in God. I know God is real because there's so much evil in the world. 
that there has to be an equal and opposite force. The devil can't exist if God does not. And if you look at the world today, it is very obvious that the devil does not exist. And I'll go to the last one here with Muslim. Quotes from you. Christians don't have a religion anymore because they tolerate everything and stand for nothing. Yeah. And, and by the way, I actually agree with you, the fact that they're, they're tolerating way too much. Islam is the last religion on the planet. God is something to be feared, respected, and to prove yourself to, which means you got to earn his right. Yeah. It's a, hey, I want to earn your right and your respect, right? How did you go, if you don't mind talking about sure. your own evolution? Because us as men, if you knew me at 25 years old, you probably would have liked that party with me. I was a selfish guy. I was a guy you would have thought I was, right? And we go through this phase of where the selfishness kind of comes down a little bit. You still need to be yeah. selfish because you need to be driven. Yeah. But to the point where you're like, listen, man, I got to really do something. And then somehow, somebody God enters. What's been your evolution of your faith and where, where are you at today? Yeah, I think Newton's, I think it's third law, equal and opposite force, what you just said there is absolutely true. There has to be equal and opposite force to all the evil in the world. And that, the equal and opposite force to all that evil has to be God. And I've talked about this at length even with atheists. And I try and say that regardless of whether you're an atheist or not, you're thinking of God as a man in the sky. But you need to think of God as a concept as a whole. And once you do that, it's impossible to accept that he doesn't exist, right? I said to the atheist, I said, let's say there was two islands. You're shipwrecked, right? And there's two islands. Both of them are full of savages. On one island, you and your friend are shipwrecked. On one island, your friend goes and he crashes and they, they kill him and they eat him. And you go to another island and they want to kill you and eat you, but they don't because it's against their religion. Mm -hmm. Did God save your life? Who cares? Who doesn't even know the name of their God? But their God said, don't kill shipwrecked survivors. And now you're alive. So their God saved your life. The concept of God in and of itself saved your life. You owe God just for the concept of it, the idea of it. So even the idea of opposing evil as a whole is a belief in God. So you're either an evil person or you believe in God in some regard. And then I became, once I understood that there had to be an equal and opposite force, I was raised Christian. I live in a Christian nation. Romania is actually, I think, the second or third most Christian country on earth. It's a very Christian country here. It's churches everywhere. They, they strongly believe. And that's where I began my journey. But I always had a very healthy respect for Islam because I understand that to a degree, to have a religion at all, you have to have an intolerance to a degree. Because without an intolerance, you don't have rules. You don't have laws. You don't have any, like you said, you have to earn God's respect. If you're a religion which is tolerant of everything, then you don't have to earn God's respect. You can be a bad person and do bad things. God loves me, so it's fine. Well, no, it's not, because that's not the point of the religion. So then you extrapolate that out, and I was sitting and thinking, well, what's the primary function of a religion? And the primary function of a religion, I don't believe is the religion exists so I can live forever. I mean, that's a, that's a nice thought. But I think on a macro level, the primary objective of a religion is to restore and contain some degree of traditional value within the society. How do you judge? Let me change the way I, I worded that. How do you judge the success of a religion? I don't think you can judge it by the number of people who join it, because there's lots of people who are Catholic who don't act Catholic. They don't act in any way particularly Christian. Anyone can say they're something. You can walk into a strip club and everyone says they're oh, Christian. It doesn't mean anything, right? So how do you judge the success of a religion? Well, I like to think the best way to judge the success of a religion is how successful is it at fighting evil? How successful is it at preserving the morality of a population in X parameter, in, in X geographical area? So when you look at it from that way, you can't say that Islam isn't the most successful religion on earth. 
It's the most successful in regards to opposing evil. It's the most successful in regards to opposing its differing viewpoints. It's the most successful in regards to having people act within the, the limits and the confines of what it finds to be moral and good to God. It's the most adhered to. It's the most feared. It's the most respected in most forms. And then also I'd like to think- I, I would say it's the most feared. Yeah, it's the most feared. But what is respect without fear? Do, do we respect men we don't fear? If there's a man who could do absolutely nothing to you on any level at all, you might be nice to him, sure, because we're not bad people, but would you really respect him? If you could take his chick in front of his face, set his car on fire, and he wouldn't do a thing, you wouldn't respect him. You might be nice to him because we're not bullies, but you wouldn't respect him. Respect and fear are linked. They're not always the same thing, and you can, you can maybe have fear without respect, but it's very hard to have respect without fear. And also, I, I, I heard someone say once that we see the world as we see ourselves. If you're a thief, you think everyone's a thief. If you're a liar, you think everyone's a liar. And I, I kind of agree with that. I understood that. I also like to think we see religion as we see ourselves. I like to see myself as a person whose respect you have to earn. I like to see myself as a person who has strong, rigid boundaries. I like to see myself as a person who will stand up and say, no, that's wrong. I like to see myself as a person who's not afraid of being shamed by whatever community for saying, I don't agree with that particular ideal. I like seeing myself that way. So if I'm going to see myself that way, then I'm going to naturally align with a religion that operates within that form. So when I say Islam is the last religion on earth, I say it because it seems to be the only one who will stand up and say, no, we don't care. No, that's not what the book says. No, I was raised Christian and, and Muslims as a whole, we have no problems with Christians. None at all. I don't want anyone to think I'm anti-Christian, like I dislike Christians. We don't have a problem with Christians. We believe in a lot of the same things. We believe in Jesus. We put more respect on the name of Jesus than most Christians do. I just don't like the idea of people saying they're a Christian and saying, but because I'm a Christian, I can do whatever I want and throw all the rules away and none of it matters. Because once you have that level of tolerance, you no longer have a religion. Islam seems to be the last religion left with parameters. If you don't have parameters, you don't have a religion at all. So the closer I found myself to God, the closer I found myself to Islam. That's just how it ended. And Andrew, speaking of fear, one could argue that Islam these days, certainly in the last 20 years with the war on terror, they've also been the most vilified. Absolutely. Right? So, you know, everything that we've seen happen with extremism yeah. and everything that's going on all over the world, how are you grappling with that? You've been a Christian yeah. for, for years now, Islam, everything. And, and you, know what's, you know what, that's such an interesting question because when I was younger, especially when I was an atheist, I would, I would sit and I'd sit and think, people are really doing terror attacks and, and doing all this crazy stuff because you know they're upset over a cartoon. That's so stupid. And I, nobody should kill mm -hmm. anybody. Nobody should kill anybody. Charlie Hebdo, everything. Yeah, nobody that, should yeah. kill anybody. Nobody should kill anybody. I'll make that very clear. But also part of me is now saying, why would you want to insult the prophet for billions of people? Why would you want to do that? I'm not saying you, I'm not even, I don't even want to make the argument against free speech. I'm not even saying you couldn't be allowed to. This is a sensitive subject. I'm mm -hmm. just saying, what kind of person wakes up and thinks, I want to do that? I don't know. I just don't think that's a healthy mindset. Like when I see these Satanists, and they're, especially in America, and they're doing, let's keep it on Christianity, these Satanists, and they're dressing up Jesus as gay and all this stuff, like that's not done in any kind of good faith. There's no good reason to do that. That's done with genuinely malicious mm -hmm. intention. And what kind of people want to do that? And then the answer by extension is, I thought America was a Christian country. So how can you have a Christian country where the, the prophets of the religion are mocked to the highest possible levels within the confines of the country and, and it's promoted? Is that a Christian country? Doesn't seem like a Christian country to me. I don't think the same thing would happen with Islam in Saudi Arabia. I can't imagine that happening. So how can you say we're a Christian country, but everyone's mocking our God 
on the streets, ha ha ha. It's, it's on Netflix, ha ha ha. That's not a Christian country to me. So if you're not a Christian country, then where's the religion? Where, the religion's supposed to enforce certain boundaries. You're supposed to at least show it respect, mm -hmm. you know? And it's also kind of interesting because in Christian countries, there's more respect for Islam than there is for Christianity. In a Christian country, name one. They still don't do it with the Islamic prophet. Why do you think that is? It's too much smoke. It's just not worth the heat. Because <laughs> people believe. And I'm not advocating for violence on any level. I'm saying that even these degenerates who are trying to destroy people's belief in God, like we discussed earlier, because they don't want you to have any baseline morality. If you believe in God, there are commandments, yes and no. That baseline morality prevents you being an absolute slave. So they're trying to destroy it. But even those degenerates who are trying to mock and disgrace God understand there's a point where it just backfires and, ooh, this is smoke. And they don't want the smoke. And shouldn't God be feared? I'm scared of God. It's the only thing I fear. I fear God. They can put me in jail. I know I'm telling the truth. God's on my side. I fear God. So God should be feared. So once again, does anybody fear the Christian God? I haven't seen anybody scared of him in a long time. And it's kind of crazy because it's very interesting. The max... The, like the mass migration and all these things are leftist policies, but then also Islam is the most right-wing religion on earth. It's kind of very interesting. I grew up in England, and I grew up in Luton, which is a town which is mainly Muslim. It's, like this, it's a huge Islamic community. And there was a bunch of English people who were complaining about there's too much immigration, we're losing our culture, and I understood their point absolutely. But these are the same people complaining about all the left-wing LGBT in schools and all these issues. And I was like, the only allies you have against this are the Muslims. They're the only allies you have in any of this. The Christians don't protest against any of this stuff. The Christians don't, the, there's very few Christians who will get up off their ass and complain. In fact, I saw on Twitter yesterday, one of the churches was lit up in rainbow.